1: Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look
2: at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Locked On Cavaliers, your daily look at the Cleveland Cavaliers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked on Cavaliers, your daily look at the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm Chris Manning, your host and the site manager from Fear the Sword.com, SB Nation's Cleveland Cavaliers blog. Sorry for the long-time listeners for the hiatus, just had some work, travel, and some family things, but we're back. We're going to be back in the swing the rest of the summer covering every Cavs rumor, news bit, Colin Sexton things, anything we're gonna Cavs related that's gonna come up, we're gonna cover it. If you aren't already, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Megaphone, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. If 5 Saru is the best way to support the show, and you can find the show on Twitter and Facebook at Lockdown Cavs, and you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at CWM Rights. On today's show, we're gonna run through all the Cavs news that we haven't covered yet. We're going to talk about Channing Fry, David Nwaba, Trevor Booker, Rodney Hood, Kyle Corver trade rumors, and what else is left for the Cavs to do this summer as they look to round out the roster and set themselves up for next season. We're going to be doing that mailbag that I talked about on Wednesday show, so if you want to get some last-minute questions in, you can submit those to LockdownCavs on Twitter or to lockdowncavs at gmail.com. And tomorrow we're going to be talking about Larry his contract extension, and I wrote about that at Fear the Sword as well. Uh, on Sunday, so if you want to check out that piece in written form, you can do so right now. But we're going to start today talking about Channing Fry. And I absolutely love the Channing Fry signing. I think bringing back Channing Fry is just an awesome, awesome move. Selfishly, as a media member, I'm excited to have a guy who gives good quotes, is honest, I think, pretty well with us, is good to interact with. I- I'm very happy about that aspect of it. For the Cavs, though, which is obviously what you care about. He's the kind of vet you want around for a rebuild. He can mentor Colin Sexton, Jetty Osman, Ante Zizic, and the other young guys we'll have around them. I think he'll he'll be someone that can really help a guy like Billy Preston in particular. Fry can help lay that foundation for the positive Cavs culture that they've talked about wanting to build on the court. He can be a really interesting pick-and-pop game partner for Sexton. He can maybe help Larry Nance Jr. make the transition to being a three-point shooter, which I think the Cavs are going to try to make happen. And if you remember, Fry was not a shooter in college either. So it's something he has. He can help Nance make that adjustment to his game. I am late on grading this, obviously. But to me, this is an A plus A move. It doesn't move the needle in terms of your wins. The Cavs are not in a position, frankly, to win a bunch of games, though, anyway. So why not get a guy like Fry, who the fan base loves? Who is going to help you off the court in the locker room? Can can really help you again establish that culture you want to build post LeBron. Help your young guys get used to the NBA and, and keep things linked, keep things fun. I am a hundred percent all in on Jaden Fry being back. I think it's a it's a great move for the Cavs. I do not really see any downside to it. It's it's low cost. It's not a high maintenance move. It's it's about as perfect a thing as you can get. And it gives Kevin Love someone to hang out with too. So that's a pretty good thing. Turning our attention elsewhere, though, the Cavs still have some moves to make, and according to Joe Varden from Cleveland.com, they've been talking to Bulls wing David Nawaba, Luke Babby, who played for the Hawks and Heat last year, and Trevor Booker, who played for the Nets, the Pacers, and the 76ers. Of those names, I think Nawaba is by far the most interesting piece. He's a 6'4 wing with really long arms, he's a good defensive player, and he's a really good cutter. Uh, he was a restricted free agent. The Bulls removed his offer, and he hit the open market as a result. The Lakers are also reportedly interested to, to keep that in mind. So if he signs there or signs somewhere else, don't be surprised. The Cavs are not the only team in on him because they think he's a, a really good, interesting player for teams. He doesn't really take a lot of threes, so that's not great. But like Trevion Graham, who the Cavs liked and intended a workout for before he ended up signing a two-year deal with the Nets, Nawab is a young wing. He's 25 right now. He could get better. He's not too old for this for the new core that's coming up. He should keep getting better and likely can come at a low cost. I, I to me, he is the type of signing I would like to go forth into the roster. Uh, I, I think you can develop this guy. You can use what he does well, and he's he's a good. There's a good solid player. You need good solid players, even if you're not going to be a great team. Babbitt would be okay. Luke Babbitt is a shooter. He's a vet. He could play some three, which the Cavs do need, because they lost obviously the guy that played a lot of three minutes, as well as Jeff Green. But he, to me, he doesn't move the. He, he it's just kind of a mess signing. He doesn't really move the needle much. Doesn't really offer anything that I don't think Corver already brings. He's a little different, obviously, but it just it's whatever. I'd Also, just rather see Austin Chetty Austin play some three. Uh, get get minutes for Hood. Get minutes for all the young guys. You have Jordan Clarkson. You maybe are going to be playing uh, multiple guards anyway. I, Babbitt would be fine. Uh, would not be super high on my priority list. Booker is is much more of the same, but to, to even a, a larger degree. He's a solid player, but the Cavs don't need any frontcourt depth or any front court bodies right now, so it doesn't make signing to me. So if I were to rank them in order of players that make sense, I'd go Nawaba first by a fairly wide margin, then Babbitt, and then Booker. According to Varden, Nawaba is the one that has interest in coming to Cleveland. They've only just really talked to Babbitt and Booker's camps. So the, it's, it seems like Nawaba is a more serious, realistic, negotiated signing as opposed to, to Booker and Babbitt just being things the Cavs have explored their options on. But I think Nawaba, just like Graham, would be a really interesting signing. And I, I think it's something that, if they can do it, I think they 100% should.
1: Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: Speaking of wings, Rodney Hood is is still a restricted free agent. According to Varden, the Cavs stole a Hood in their plans, which isn't much of a surprise. That's been the line they've been pushing all summer as a team. It's worth noting now, though, that the Kings do not have the type of cap space to sign Hood to the kind of offer sheet that the Cavs might pause at signing at. They're at about 11 million right now. I think the Cavs would probably match 11 million, as much as I know that that would make some people out there a little skittish. And I'd be a little—I'm eh, paying him that much. From what I I understand, Hood is looking for something like what Marcus Smart got, which is four years and 52 million, so it's 13 million a year. That's a bit rich for what I'd pay Hood. And I'd be very surprised if he got that or if the Cavs offered him that. that he, the Cavs have all the leverage here. If they pay him that much, I, I'd be surprised. It also could make sense for both sides to some degree to have Hood sign his qualifying offer. For the Cavs, it means no locked-in overpay for the next couple of years. For Hood, it's a it's a chance to earn his keep and drive up his value. when that will be much more available next summer. Uh, it's going to be just a much more loose money. And the more I think about it, I think there's a good chance Hood does take it. It would not be much money for him, and that would be hard to stomach. And you do, I think if you're a player in any situation, you want that guaranteed money as much as possible but maybe it's worth betting on himself and going after something more real next summer that this to me will be the biggest story the rest of the way it's going to be the most pressing thing the cast can keep negotiating with Larry Nance up until the deadline but Hood's sort of Hood's future sort of factors into this you know what and what would it mean if they signed someone like Nawaba or they signed other wings or, or made some kind of trade that netted them a wing what, what would that say about Hood and, and how does Hood fit into their plans, and how prominent will he be in their plans? They've said, you know, we want him around, but I, I don't know if he is 100% in the same category as Sexton or Osman or or Nance Jr. even. I, I think, to me, he's a, a step below those guys. If, if I was constructing the next generation of Cavs basketball, I, I think he's a good guy you want to have around. I think you can talk yourself into believing he can keep keep on developing into something more than he is right now. But he's been inconsistent his whole career. He he could just be what he is, and that's just always a, as a better idea than what he is in reality. And I think that's worth considering when you think about his price. So I have no idea when this is going to get resolved. It could be soon. The The market's drying up for him, as, as, as is for anyone. There's just not much money left. Maybe he'll sign that offer sheet. I, it wouldn't shock me if some team gave him like a 2-plus-1 offer sheet, but we'll, we'll see with Hood. But I, I, am. if I'm him, I almost really do think it makes a lot of sense to take that qualifying offer and bet on yourself this year and hit, hit free and see next summer. And then you're still in position to hit free and see again around your 30th birthday, so get another contract after that worth maybe more, even more money. So if, if I'm Hood, that's what I'm doing. If I'm the Cavs, I think that for them, if you're looking at the best value for them, you want to deal that allows you to have some not tie up a bunch of cap space which i think they're going to be in a good position to do not make you pay the tax this season which would be frankly just a waste of dan gilbert's money and i think for hood and and i think with hood you want to if you believe you can develop into something you want him around and you did give up assets to get him so that's worth noting to talk move on to kyle korver and the trade talks surrounding him There's a little chatter out there um, about him in a potential swap with Jared Bayless from Philadelphia. Bayless would be an expiring contract, so it would free up a little bit more space for the Cavs next summer, as opposed to Corver's partial guarantee for whatever the Cavs feel that's worth. As a player, though, I don't think he makes much sense. He's a guard. The Cavs have a bunch of guards. They've been linked to guards in free agency and guys who can dribble in free agency, so maybe they buy him out, but... It'd be fine, I guess. Uh, it's, it's also unclear if Cleveland will be getting any picks or young players back in return. If they are going to move Corver, unless their motive is purely just to get him into a winning situation no matter what, picks and young players are way, may, way way more valuable than just swapping up bodies and salaries. If the 76ers do make sense and do make a deal with the Cavs to some degree, they have extra checker on picks to deal or maybe someone like Fr- Frick on Korkmaz, who is a friend of Jedi Osman's, by the way, could sweeten the pot for the Cavs. It's also worth noting that all the reporting out there from Mark Stein and Joe Varden and uh, everything after the initial report from Keith Pompey of the Philadelphia Inquirer indicates that this is not imminent or you know deeply, deeply discussed, but has just been tangentially bandied about and it, and it's out there. So that's basically where I've that it. Would not shock me if they trade Corver. I stand by the idea that of Love and Thompson and JR and et cetera, I think he's the most likely to be traded just because of his value, his salary, and all these different factors. But I don't think it's worth rushing into. And if I'm the Cavs, I want actual assets for him. He can be someone that can help you in the locker room, help guys like Jetty, help guys like Colin Sexton, like Larry Nance, help them figure out their shots. He's very good at that, and maybe that's a one-year thing. Maybe you do want to do right by him and get him to a team that could help him chase a title as he gets closer to his 40th birthday. Corver is 40, 37 years old, but I think if he's he doesn't push for that. Maybe it's not worth it, but if you do trade him, get actual assets, don't just swap out salary to create cap space next summer, which cap space isn't going to do the Cavs much anyway. They're not a free agency destination They need to build in other ways. Picks and young players that you can develop are better ways to do.
1: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: So that leaves us where looking ahead, what's next for the Cavs to do this summer? Again, Rodney Hood for agency is, of course, the top of the Cavs to-do list. Next, I would say figuring out what to do with Larry Ness Jr.'s extension looms. We'll be talking about that again on tomorrow's show when I wrote about that. So I, I think it's something that makes sense for both sides. I think the hard part there is just figuring out what number makes sense for him, and I think the last couple of years of young contracts for big men is just sort of all over the place a little bit, and I, I wonder if, if that sort of stalls out negotiations in a degree, but I think it makes sense for both sides. The Cavs also have to decide what they want to do with Carl White. Uh, August 5th, I believe, is the date that guarantees one-half of his $1.5 million salary for next season. I think he's probably going to stick around, but... maybe they'll just wave him. Who knows? He wasn't great in Summer League. It didn't blow the the doors off um, of anyone's appearance. The Cavs right now have 12 players on their roster, so that's three open roster spots. Hood would push that to 13. If they get get rid of White, that creates another open spot. So unless they want to go into the season without a full roster, I I think it's pretty much a lock that they add pieces. It's also possible they'll replace John Holland, who's uh, an older player with another guy who fits the Billy Preston mold as a two-way guy, although I'm not entirely sure about the guarantees in Holland's contract and what it would cost them to do that. Um, as far as for agents goes, I, I wouldn't shock them if you look at someone like Shane Larkin, considering they poked around on Yogi Ferrell before Ferrell signed with the Kings. Plus, the, note that the Cavs just have a little bit less than a month left now on the $5.8 million trade exception created by the Kyrie Irving trade. So they have abilities to to just take in some salary there. Maybe the Cavs can hunt around and get a, a deal that nets them something, and they use that trade exception and take on salary from somebody else. It wouldn't shock me if they do that. But the through line here is just that they're going to do stuff. It's not necessarily going to be big flashy stuff, swinging for the fences. There's They're not going to have their own version of the Kawhi trade like the Raptors just did. Or, you know getting doing something like boston has done in the past or or the or the Lakers maybe just signing Michael Beasley, right? They're not going to do anything that's going to draw major, major headlines, but they're going to do stuff that's going to shape this roster a little bit more and give us more of a, a clearer vision of what they're thinking next season's going to look like. And, you know, maybe maybe they get blown away by an offer for Kevin Love or something, and that changes the course. But I think right now you're looking at them running out the roster, and I think it's going to be very interesting to see what Kobe Altman and company decide to do at the edge of this roster and how they, they form it around... Love and Nance and and all the other guys they have around. So again, expect something to happen. Expect a lot of things to happen, even if they're not particularly flashy moves. So that's going to do it for today's show. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with the looking at Larry Nance Jr.'s extension. So and if you want to submit questions for this week's mailbag, you can submit questions to at lockdown On on Twitter or to at Locked On Cavs. LockdownCavs at gmail.com. A 5 star review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts also guarantees that your question gets answered. Thank you for listening. This has been Lockdown Cavaliers for July 23rd, 2018. I'm Chris Manning from Fear the Sword. You can find me on Twitter at CWMWrites. Find me on Facebook there as well. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
1: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Lockdown Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.